Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is a bookmaker of bookmakers. He's been in the business for 37 years and worked all over Las Vegas. He's currently working at the Circus Sportsbook. Please welcome the legend, Nick Bogdanovich. Nick, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Spanky. Glad to be here. I appreciate it. I've been wanting to have you on my podcast for a long time, and I'm so glad it finally happened. Thank you so much. So, Nick, uh, I always like to start with, how was life growing up? Yeah, no, uh, white picket. Uh, couldn't have been any better. Had two great parents, great brother and sister, and, yeah, it was smooth sailing. Uh, all we did was... You know, back I was raised spanky in the '60s and '70s. I don't want to show you how old I am, but you know, we we would play until the uh, the street lights came on, and we'd go in and eat dinner and hang out a little, go to bed, and do it all over again. So, uh, tackle football in the backyard, touch football on the street, wiffle ball, baseball, tennis, basketball, golf. It was all sports oriented. Been my dad was a sports junkie, so I've been indoctrinated with the sports bug since uh, the doc the doctor slapped me on the ass. Where was home? I was born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I, I've been here my entire life. Wow. That's amazing. And um, was, you know, being in Las Vegas, was gambling always, uh, did that come early or was nope. it always not at all? Okay. Yeah. My dad, my dad worked at the test site and then he was uh, worked in budgets uh, for a government agency. So he never gambled at all. Uh, my, my brother and sister don't gamble. I'm the only one who got the, uh, gambling bug. So, uh, how I got it, I don't know, but I, I guess probably just, uh, the good Lord put a action, uh, DNA in my body and I've had it from, from jump. I'd say. Do you remember the first time you ever wagered on, on something or placed a bet on anything, you know, maybe even high school, college, what do you, does, do you recall anything like that? Yeah, all my buddies in high school were degenerates. So we would we would go down to the uh, it used to be the old bingo palace. We'd be like 18 or so. And they let us bet baseball parlays, you know, ten dollars is all we had. But yeah, that's when, when it probably first started. And we'd play an occasional slot machine. But uh, yeah, back then, it, that's probably when it first started. But I, I really didn't get hot and heavy into it really until I got out of college. And where did you go to school? Uh, I went to Lewis Clark State College in Lewiston, Idaho. I went up there to play baseball and basketball. Uh, baseball program is, was phenomenal. Had lots of pros and hundreds of people drafted. And they won like 16 national titles. So I went up there and I was a thousand miles away from home. I was playing two sports and it was a little overwhelming. So I, I actually told the baseball, I played my fall ball and baseball and then i just when basketball season got there i just told him listen i i, I got to take some time off from baseball i got too much on my plate and i always intended to get back to baseball but i never did so i ended up playing four years of basketball uh graduated in four years knocked school out so yeah it was a great time in lewis tonight oh met a met a lot of good people and loved the area so that's how i i got up to lewiston to do my college when you went up there, given how great it was for baseball and basketball, did you have any, you know, sights on maybe turning pro, like you said, given that the school's reputation was to turn a lot of guys pro? No, I never did have a, an aspiration of uh, professional athletes. I, I knew my limitations. I was a, you know, I was a pretty good player in both sports. 
obviously if, if, if I could play at the collegiate level, uh, maybe if I would have stayed at the, the program and quit everything else and just hit the weight room hard and stuck strictly to baseball, maybe an outside chance of doing something in baseball, but I really enjoyed basketball more. Uh, baseball's a little slow basketball. You're in every play it's 24 seven. And I ended up having a pretty good career up there. I still own some, uh, steals records. Uh, got a lot of steals. And I, when I left in 84, I was like sixth on the all time points list. So I was pretty good in basketball. I enjoyed it more, but I wish I would have stuck out with baseball to see where it would have taken me, but, but no regrets. Awesome. So you graduate college in early mid eighties, uh, around, um, around, I'm guessing yep. yeah. June of 84, I left Lewiston, Idaho and came back to Las Vegas with really no plan. I had a degree in business, had zero idea what I wanted to do in life. I mean, absolutely zero. Usually some people have half a hint or a clue, but I had none kicked around a couple of jobs that were going nowhere. And I, I just, you know, I knew my passion was sports. So a, uh, a, a well-known cardiologist in town, his name was Dr. Ridge Rolla. He, he did, all, he did all the uh, exam, uh, the physicals for the fighters like Tyson and all the big fights that were in town. I played uh, high school sports with his sons and I got to know the doc and I knew he knew Michael gone well at Barbary coast. And I said, can you get me a job in the sports book? So he called Michael up and said, I got a good guy here. I need you to get him a job. And Michael didn't have anything open, but the, one of uh, Michael's ex-employees, Rick Heron was running the sand. So Michael called Rick said, can you get this guy on? They had a spot. So I started writing tickets in the sands and I can't even remember. It's been so long. I can't remember if it was the tail end of 85 or the beginning of 86, but either way, that's when I started at the sands. Rick Heron was the, Sports book director, Mary Sapp. I mean, he was the overall director of race and sports. Mary Sapp ran the sports book. She's currently the race book director at the South Point right now. I think she's getting ready to retire. She ran Arizona Charlie's here in town. She's a female bookmaker. So I learned from her. And the race book was ran by John Larice, good friend of mine. He passed away. Uh, New Jersey guy, funnier than shit. Uh, Miss John. And uh and on that same staff, Tony DiTomaso, who's run many books in the state, he was he was my first supervisor, and Paul Bach, who runs the state of Delaware Lottery for William Hill. So we had a really good crew at the Sands, and that's where I cut my teeth. It was a no computers in. We were handwriting tickets, so we'd have to grade the tickets. And you got to remember, Spank, when I broke into the business in 85 slash 86, there was no internet. So getting information was hard, uh, had the ticker for scores, and yeah, it was a different world back then, but that's where uh, I cut my teeth. So that's fascinating. Being at the Sands in the mid-80s with the Stardust relatively close, pretty much across the street, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, and and you, had, you had all, like, the, the, so many sports books around town and so many, you know, so many, so much information flowing, like you said, not on the internet, but between people. Um, how, how did you, how did you take to that environment? Did, was it love at first sight? Or did you say, wow, this is, you know, describe your progression on, let's just say maybe you had a promotion or what was it like, you know, with your first um, um, feel of, of being in the, in the industry? Yeah, I think I, I think people excel in this industry. They have an innate ability to do it. I think you I think you can only teach so much. The rest, you, it's almost innate. And I had it. Uh, I think I got promoted within about five or six months to supervisor and, you know, started trying to learn how to book games. And like you said, there was no screens back then, Spanky. So 
uh, all the different sports books, and there was quite a few of them. You know, one joint could have three, and another joint could have seven, which is impossible nowadays. So, it was it was very very interesting, and I wish we could go back in time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, when you're a supervisor, when did you go from supervisor to actually running lines? Did you, you know, if you started at the Sands eighty five eighty six, were you running num? Were you making numbers or moving numbers? Um, within a few months or within a year or how did, how yeah, did that? Yeah, no, I was, uh, the supervisors would move, would, you know, we're taught to, you know, how to book and move lines and, you know, we, we chart the games and how much we'd have at each number and you'd have a, gra a little, a graph there. So it was, you know, all done by pencil. There was no computer to look at. Uh, we did get computers, I think a year later, and that's when the computer era started in the state of Nevada. I think Vic Salerno got the first system in there and, and away it went, uh, but it was, yeah, that was fun. And the Sands, Rick Heron eventually, uh, something happened and he moved on. And at that time, this, the place was being sold. Uh, I can't remember what year, but Mary had left to run Arizona Charlie's and Tony had went with her and Rick was gone. And they needed someone to, to run the book uh, while the sale was going down to this new company. The sale was going to take I don't know, six or eight months. So I was the last man standing. So at the age of 26, I guess I was 25 or 26. I was running this book, uh, very green, uh, but I held my own. We did numbers were pretty good for that six or eight months while the sale was pending. And as soon as the sale closed and the new owners came in, they brought in a, a whole new management team. And uh, I got washed away to the street for the one of, uh, I think about the first of four different times that I, I got, hit with a management change but yeah now that was a, a really good learning experience at a at a young age to uh be the top dog in a sports book i was doing it like at age 26 back then um and even till, till and even now there's there's a degree of uh, of brotherhood or camaraderie amongst the sports uh, sports bookmakers um in nevada did you notice that early on and you know were you guys sharing information with each other or did some guys kind of keep things close to the vest uh were you admitted into that brotherhood early on given how how good you got and and how well you were running the shop yeah no everyone helped each other out back then it was you know a phone call you know what are you using this game what do you see this guy bet whatever i mean we we would definitely talk and looking back on it, i think roxy service was the main one in town at the time las vegas sports consultants and they would send over lines on a printer i mean it was uh you know but you you know you might get an update every couple hours so you really didn't know what the lines were you just basically trusted your number and if someone bet you some money you moved it and uh maybe try to get some money back on the other side if, if you didn't like the position you were in so it was really old, old school booking uh but you really had no idea what the market was out there uh there was no sports center. You relied on uh, information, out of town newspapers, local newspapers, radio, and word of mouth. Uh, so it was, you know, it, it was a fun time to say the least and a, a good time to learn. And, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at the Sands. It, you know, it was a place where the Rat Pack had played and a pretty, pretty famous place. Absolutely. Okay. So you, the, the sands get sold and you said you're washed out now. Um, how easy it is to, uh, or how hard was it to find another gig? So at that time, Binion's Horseshoe was splitting in a sports book, uh, just opening for the first time. And the guy who had the job was Dave Haba. He worked for uh, Jack Lysite at the Riviera. I think Lysite's been the, uh, 
the lead bookmaker at Chris for, I don't know, the last 30 years. So Davey was pretty schooled under Jack. So I uh, heard that they were opening. I think Roxy recommended me to go down there. So I went down, met Dave. He asked me a few questions, hired me as a supervisor. So I started, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how long I, it was in between the Sands and Binions, three months, four months. It just so happened they were opening the book. I went down, interviewed, got the job as a supervisor at Binions. And uh, that, that was uh, an interesting, you know, that's where it really started for me. So Davey, I don't know what happened with Davey. Uh, he probably lasted only two or three months, uh, probably two months getting the book going and a month into booking. I think they let him go in like Oct September, or October of 89. And they brought in a, uh, a local bookmaker. Uh, his name was Tommy George. Uh, Jack had respected him. So he had hired him. He needed a seasoned bookmaker. So they went and got Tommy George. And I think he lasted a whole month and a half. So, the book had been open three months and he'd already been two, through two sportsbook managers. So lo and behold, I don't know if he just took a liking to me or if I, I pitched him on it, but he named me the manager of Binion Sportsbook at age 27 in November of 1989. And wow. the rest is pretty much history. So I, uh, you know, I appreciate Jack giving me a shot. I made the most of it. I worked my ass off. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't easy. I mean, I would say 90% of our business was sharps. I mean, you know, uh, it was a who's who of, uh, of, of legendary betters down there. And we were blessed enough to have a lot of poker players. Poker players gave us a lot of action back then. It was, Binion's was still the king of poker back then. And uh, from 89 to 98, I was at Binion's. But it was uh, uh, an incredible run at Binion's, to say the least. Well, you were a business almost 10 years. Um, let, let's talk about that because Binion's notoriously known for not really, if anybody wanted to place a bet in a pit, they would never, you know, there was no, uh, they wouldn't say no really. Um, and, and you know, you said 90% sharp, um, you know, talk about, you know, really learning the business. Uh, describe that, describe some of the characters, some of the players you had to encounter. Was there any uh, stories that stand out where you learned something that you kind of didn't know? Yeah, well, I didn't know anything. I learned everything. <laughs> anyway, I didn't, no, I, I learned I didn't know anything, that's for sure. Uh, it's funny, the first, uh, so when I got the job in November of 89, Jack introduced me to a guy named Billy Walters. He said, Billy and Jack were best of friends. He said, Nick, this is Billy. If you ever have any questions, ask him. He's going <laughs> to help you. So, you know, I was always glad to have that ability to pick up the phone and call him if I had a question. And I called him on occasion, but I learned early on that, you know, I got to figure it out myself. Uh, it's not his job to mentor me or hold my hand. Uh, he had enough on his own plate. So you know, I didn't bother him too often, but it was great to have the ability to pick up a phone and call people. Uh, a lot of people, I was very fortunate, Spanky, early on. I hung around with a lot of really smart people. I can't tell you how many dinners and lunches I went to with Bob Martin. Uh, who was the king of all bookmakers. Uh, you know, a lot of your listeners are young. They probably never heard of him, or if they haven't, he is the uh, babe roof of bookmakers, I guess you'd say. Uh, Jack Franzi, who was a better slash odds maker who ran the South Point for Michael Gaughan. Uh, Richard Clamian, poker player slash better slash bookmaker. Very, very sharp guy. 
and a, and a few a few privates who were really really smart back then. So I was very very fortunate to be around a lot of smart people. That if I ever had a question, uh, I could pick up the phone and ask. But I learned early on, Spank. This it was, it was up to me to learn. It was on the job training. I asked a lot of questions, uh, kept my eyes open and my mouth shut, and that's basically how I started figuring things out. But it it was really nice to have people to reference to back then. But I met them all. Uh, Chip Reese, Doyle, uh, Billy Baxter, Johnny Chan, Dickie Carson. They were, they all, they all bet there. Toledo Blackie, everyone who was a, a, a big time sports better uh, was betting it. Obviously we took big, big limits and we were one of the two or three biggest books in the state of Nevada at that time. Uh, and, you know, another interesting part of, of, of Binion's was there was a bunch of groups on the street back then. And, Every they they would all settle opinions on Monday. So every every, every runner in town would would be parading through that place. And they talk about some characters. They had some some great guys out on the street. Uh, Ab the cab and you know just just a bunch of Runyon esque type of type of people you'd run in to the business. So yeah, no, it was it, it was good. Uh, but you know we've we've we earned a, a reputation of taking a bet. And so we started picking up some business here and picking up some business there. And we'd pick up a, a player who wanted to play higher at some of the strip properties that didn't want to put them on. So eventually we built it up. But by the end, it, you know, we, we probably got it down to probably 50% wise guy, 50% square. So we, 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 we made a lot of headway in that nine and a half years until Jack uh, left the building. So if you start off 90% sharp, um, in order to kind of get the square action, you build a reputation that you just take any bet and you don't turn anybody away. Were, were there people turning people away back then? Or how, how was, and what was a big bet? You said you took a big bet. What was considered a big bet back then? <sighs> you know, I mean, I remember Doyle, Doyle Brunson, he would bet the entire board across 60,000 on every single game across the board. So you do the math on how many games there were on a college Saturday. So, uh, but yeah, no, we, we would take bets of that size all the time. I, I, we had certain counter limits, but they were always fair and reasonable. I, I don't approach, I, I can't even remember what our limits were back then, but it was nothing to scoff at for sure. And obviously if you brought more, you were probably going to get it, uh, but yeah, no, we, at, at the beginning, it was just counter business. Then we got the phones and I don't know, probably the 91 or so we started 92, something like that. And that really, really pumped up the handle when we could start taking bets over the phone. With respect to um, when you, when you said, you know, getting all these sharps and, and everything, um, how, how was Jack Binion, um, you know, because obviously not every, you know, unlike, you know, in the casino world, you know, where you're always winner, more or less, you know, in the sportsbook world, you're going to have uh, uh, losing sessions. How was uh, how did Jack take to that? Did they understand um, the long term and effects? And, and if you did it right, that you could earn like, was there any pushback? You know, I'm, I'm just thinking of, of how there could have been. Yeah, no doubt about it. The only way you can. uh succeed in that is to have an understanding owner and he knew how it worked uh, he knew how sharp our business was so there was going to be times where we were struggling and times where we weren't but he, you know we like we said we stuck with it and we started doing pretty good uh later in life when we when we had some a lot more business and a little more balanced business so yeah to, to be a, to be able to survive early years like that you have to have an understanding owner for sure who knows the business
and 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 to believe in you, a young kid, you know that you're still in your twenties, you know after going through two sports books, uh, two sports book managers, and then you come in. So he, like when you said, take a liking, that's probably an understatement. He really respected you, and you guys, you know, he believed um, that you could take them to the next level. So that's that's pretty amazing. Well, yeah, no, I, I was. He must have liked something in me. Obviously, he met all, all all the cast of characters in the history of the world, so he probably had a good feel for. Uh, you know, diagnosing a person's character. So for whatever reason, he took a liking to me and he said, I'm going to stick with you. And, and we, and we did and ended up being a pretty good ride. And uh, I still see him every now, now and again around town. Uh, he's still alive and doing well. That's great. So Nick, let's t- t- talk about, you know, like the cast of characters and, and booking that high and, and being that young. Um, does it engulf your life? You know, I, I kind of want to get into like, being a bookmaker, like when you go home, do you shut it off or is it always on? Are you always thinking about how you're doing? Like, can you just go home and not even think about it or you can never turn it off? Yeah, I could never turn it off. It was a 24 seven thing. And, uh, you know, I always sweated the joint pretty good. So a typical day for me, it was the same day. I worked seven days a week. I'd go in in the morning, open the lines and book, book the mornings. Uh, then the crews would all take off for lunch. So I would take off for lunch. I'd go to the sporting house and play basketball at lunch and me and Jimmy Vaccaro would be in the lunch game and a few others and uh, you know, play three or four games, stay in uh, good physical shape. So I, you know, I, I believe a, in a healthy body is a healthy mind. So we play basketball, grab some lunch, shower and go back. And you know, the, the all the bookmakers then would open all around the country at two and the bidding would begin from two o'clock West coast time on. And we book you know, from like two to six. And then I get out of there and I, either go play city league basketball or softball or, or go sweat games. So I was single all the time, wasn't married, didn't have kids. So I was in heaven. I mean, I was, you know, my, my days were filled and they were around great people. Uh, I absolutely love the gambling community, especially sports betters. And uh, there was never a dull moment to say the least. And, you know, I, like I said, I'd love to run it back if I could. Seven days a week, a lot of people would, would gawk at that and say, how could how could you just, you know, do you ever run out of gas? Nah, um, it was easy. Uh, I mean, you know, different game, different day, different sport every three months. Uh, the money makes it fresh every day. So, yeah, no, I was – hell, at William Hill, I worked – I didn't get sick one day. I worked all seven days for nine straight years, and that, oh was, that was from, like, 50 to 59 years old. So the stuff, is it just keeps you fresh. I mean, I, 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 I absolutely love the business. And like I said, there's new games and new lines every day, and there's never a shortage of things to do or learn. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. I, I, I can't get enough of it. Amazing. Uh, you know, I, I – I, I... I myself, just on, on my side of the counter, I did the whole seven-day thing for, for a long time, but eventually I, I just, you know, you just run out. Of, I, I couldn't, I don't know if I could still do it. I think I'd be dead by now if I did it all seven days and I didn't have a supporting staff. Did you ever uh, think that you can, you know, surround yourself with people that could kind of possibly give you a break or you just loved it too much and you felt as if nobody could do it as good as you or maybe a little bit of both? Uh, no, you know, I... I would just space it out, you know, just because I went in every day didn't mean I worked 10 hour days every day. Mm-hmm. Some days I'd go in and work three hours. Uh, mm-hmm. Another day I'd work 50 on the weekends. I always work, you know, 12 and 13 hours, but on weekdays I would find a day where I'd work three hours, four hours. And if I felt worn down, I'd get out of there. But 
you know, I just felt like uh, it just kept me in the game. You know, I mean, if you, you, it seems like if you miss one day, you lose, you, you miss so much information. So, you know, go in there, have some meetings, catch some emails, uh, you know, read some injury reports, uh, read some consultants lines, anything just to stay on top of it. It, it makes it so much easier to just to be on top of uh, your, your game. Beautiful. All right. So after Binion's, you say you leave in 98. By now, you know, you're, I, I remember reading articles about how you would, you know, offer big numbers at Binion's and they, they, they would show articles, Las Vegas Review Journal and, and other places would, would print that. And now at this point, you're, no, you know, notoriously one of the best bookmakers in, in town. Um, and, 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 you know, you're obviously now your reputation um, is very is, is very good. How how do you what happens after Binion's? How does that you know? What's the next step? Yeah, no, that was good. It, it, it got me a really good reputation. People knew who I was, and I was respected. So that was good. Let me let me tell you what what happened to Binion's is in '98, uh, Jack had ventured into Tunica, Mississippi, and Bozier City, Louisiana, opening up casinos. So he was out. Uh, uh, Casino gambling was blowing up in America. So he, he got a couple of joints, one in Tunica, one in Bozier City, and he was spending less time in the joint. And his, and his sisters thought he might be neglecting uh, Binion's a little. So he basically said, if you think that's the case, he didn't want to have a family squall. He said, you, you guys run, you guys take take over here downtown. So Jack basically turned over the reins to his sister and his sister, they brought in some you know, some of their people to watch the joint. So a lot of people got swept, swept outside and I was one of them. So that's how my run at Binion's ended. Jack gave up control and let his sisters run the joint in 98. So I was out of work, not for too long, uh, because, uh, the stratosphere was building a brand new book and Carl icon owned the stratosphere. And the guy who was running the property for him was Dan Casello came from Caesars. Uh, I really didn't know him, but Jimmy Vaccaro did. And uh, somehow I got connected with Dan and I had known Carl a little. Carl was a, he, he made several bets with us at the horseshoe, a pretty big bets. You know, he always, he, he, there wasn't a $6 favorite he didn't like. So, um, <laughs> you know, Chicago Bulls to win the best of seven, he, you know, he'd bet 800 to win 200,000 or whatever. But anyway, so I knew Carl, Mr. Icon a little bit already. He'd made some bets with us at the horseshoe. So I, I went there to run the book for him at the Strat. And it was a good learning process because it, it, it was uh, constructed from scratch. So I got to say, you know, how many seats here, parlay card racks here, offices here, how many terminals here. So it was a good, a good as, uh, aspect to learn how to construct a race and sports book. So that happened in like 98, 99, I guess. So I was only there for probably a year and a half. It, it, things just didn't go well. He was, he was a better and it was his first toy to play with. And, you know, he, <laughs> he just wanted to run the book and, you know, we couldn't, you know, he, he, he would always just want to change lines and we, we would get into philosophical discussions and it just, it wasn't going to work out. So, but I will tell you one good story that was there. He was going to the uh, U S open final. He's a tennis fanatic. And he, I think it was Agassi and Martin. I believe that was the match. And he wanted to, he wanted to need Agassi for as big as, as big as we could get, but you know, th this is a little property off the beaten path. We'd have a lot of business to begin with. It was a, you know, year one or whatever, he, but he wanted to get like a half a million on Agassi. Well, Agassi was like a $5 favorite in the final against Todd Martin. So 
totem, you know, the only way to do that, obviously, is you got to create a big scalp. So I think the the rest of the town, well, you don't, you don't write any, any business in tennis anyway, but the rest of the town was probably using minus three, three forty, three fifty, or what I, I had to use it like $7. So I'm using the thing like minus seven plus five and they're taking five to one with me. Like it's going out of style and they're laying Richie and Vinny at Caesars and Jimmy, wherever he was in Mirage at the time, like going out of style. I mean, just right. Huge, huge, you know, arb and scalps there. So I think we ended up getting, I don't know, probably like three or 400,000. We're going to blow like 2 million. If, if Martin wins, uh, the rest of the towns, of course, rooting for Martin. Uh, so it was, it was me versus the town or uh, icon versus the town for this tennis match because he was going there and he wanted it. He wanted a sweat. So I think Martin won the first two sets and Agassiz comes back and wins the, the, the three sets. And we got the cash and Richie and Jimmy, we, we'd have a good laugh over that at, at lunch. So uh, but stuff like that. I mean, he, he just it was a little it, 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 he was just using it as a some entertainment value and it wasn't good for me for working so we parted ways pretty much like a year and a half in wow great story okay so yeah so um and then and what happens after the stratosphere so i get a job at mandalay bay which is an absolute great job uh one of my favorites uh uh, i think i was there for 16 months i mean absolutely killed it i mean i we never lost a bet in my 16 months. It was crazy how, how, how good we ran. We back then Mandalay was hosting a lot of fights. We had some really big fights on property. Holyfield was involved in a bunch of them. We'd write massive amounts to those fights and we won every one of those. And any, anytime we had a big decision, we won it. I mean, they, they literally thought I walked on water. The, the numbers were so drastically improved over the previous regime. So they were throwing stock at me and raises and everything was going smooth. And then, uh, the story that's been talked about 22 million times, the Charles Barkley incident ended my career there at Mandalay Bay and really actually put a halt to me for a little bit. I mean, it was a uh, tough blow to overcome, but obviously I did it. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, do you mind just rehashing a story um, that lives yeah. on? You know, you know a what? I haven't thought about it in so long. The, the torture sort of left my body, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to bring it back up. Uh, it's not a problem. Anyway, uh, Barkley was a big time gambler in Las Vegas at the time. It was a Super Bowl, I guess, 2002 the Packers were playing New England Packers were a big favorite, uh, and a real big favorite because I know he took five to one on the money line, but, uh, anyway, Barkley's a huge player in town, but specifically Mandalay Bay. I hadn't seen him in my 14 months there, but I knew he had been in the pit previously. Uh, he was staying at the MGM that weekend. I, later to find that out he was at the mansion so so it comes super bowl sunday uh it's a sidebar on that note i think icon had bet a million eight to win three hundred thousand with us on that same game so i think he laid six to one to win three hundred thousand uh and icon icon owned the stratosphere at the time but he was yeah but he was still betting outside oh yeah so that was the biggest bet I had seen it up until that point. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was, I guess, 2002. Uh, so anyway, the day of the game, I'm outside on the line, the place is jamming. If, if anyone knew Mandalay, but day back in the day, it was, it was a, it was a hopping joint. Uh, we had, I don't know, 12 windows there were 15 deep. So anyway, my secretary comes out to me. She had taken a phone call saying from someone over in casino marketing, Barkley's coming over to make a big bet. So I was busy charting, talking to people, filling out 
CTRs, whatever. I was doing a million things. But, but the, the, the mere fact that she told me Barclays coming to make a big bet, I had naturally assumed it was one, no problem, and two, already taken care of. The, 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 you know, the eyes were dotted, the T's were crossed. I didn't even give any much thought. So an hour later, here he comes, shows up, walking in with two guys from casino marketing. They walk to the counter. He says what he wants. And I just assume they already have the finances taken care of, the marker, whatever, and away they go. He bet a half a million on the points and like 50,000 on the money or whatever. Uh, I mean, it was a Super Bowl and not in a million years would you think that that would be an issue. But so an hour goes by. It's probably a couple hours to game time. And the ticket writer comes over and say, hey, they never brought back the chips or the marker. I said, well, uh, so we called the people. And uh, I called my boss at the time. Well, not my boss. I had several layers of boss. I mean, it was a big place. But comes to find out he, he, didn't, he didn't have uh, – he was just with two casino marketing guys. So we had to track him down. And at that point, my, my boss got involved. And instead of just having him sign the marker and, and everyone goes on their merry way, my boss, I guess – tells him he can't have the bet and charles says no this and that and he ends up uh, they fight and then he, he never ends up signing the mark is, is the bottom line so it became a mess it, it was just a, a complete mess and two days later they let me go they did they, they, uh, you know i obviously i partly responsible but in a way i didn't think from the 16 months of of good work i'd done there that you know let's let's put it this way uh there's been harsher there's been a lot a lot a lot more worse things done than that and and people have kept their jobs but anyway it turned out to be a communication nightmare logistical nightmare and i i paid the brunt of it and you know i don't i don't want to say i was blackballed after that but it it wasn't easy finding work after that let me put it that way Amazing. Um, I, you know, just, I I've heard the story, but just to hear it, you know, so, so Barkley just didn't want to pay for the bet after it lost or, or, well, I think, I think he would have been more than glad to sign the marker. And I, I didn't know that at the time, but I, from what I understand is the, the guy, uh, I'm not going to mention his name, my, my major superior boss, I had two levels between them that I thoroughly enjoyed, but he didn't even want to give him the bet at that point, which I couldn't understand because he, obviously he's a huge player there. If he, if he win, if he loses, he loses. If he wins, he's going to blow it in the pit. So I think that's what ended up pissing Charles off is that this guy said, no, you can't have the bet now. It wasn't. And then at that point, then the, and then after he said he wasn't giving up the bet and then, then the marker became an issue too, because I think Charles got pissed. I, I don't know. I really, I wasn't there when all that went down. That was, that was in a separate area that was over dimensions in the MGM when they were trying to get that, all that straightened out. But I think if, if he would have just, if he wouldn't have said you, you're not getting that bet, everything would have been fine. He would have signed the marker and a lot and everyone's life would have been fine. But, you know, because the game hadn't started yet, it was still hours before the game started. I just, I don't know why there was hesitation in taking, taking that wager, you know, when they went over there with the marker in their hand, but anyway, that was, 20 years ago and uh, i really hadn't thought about it much until you brought it up spanks i appreciate that i'm sorry Nick. No. I'm, I'm, uh so hey listen i thank you for sharing the story i know it, it, it's not easy to share and 
you know, listen, you, you didn't do anything wrong. If I, if I was in your shoes and if I see somebody walk in with two employees of the casino after I got a phone call. Well, that's uh, you the know, thing. If he, assumption- just walk, if he just walked up to the window, it would have been totally different. Of they course. called me telling him. Yeah. To so in my mind, I always think, okay, that, that, that's okay. And then I went mm-hmm. on to doing a million other things. So if I wouldn't have, if it wouldn't have got that original phone call, alerting me to the fact that he was placing this wager, I wouldn't, I would have handled the, the situation totally different, but you know, my mind blanked out or whatever. If, if I was just hundred percent dead wrong and someone needs to, you know, obviously I'm, I'm partly wrong, but I, I didn't think it was uh, a fireable offense. So but any, anyway, it happened and you move on. Okay. So you, now you're saying it's hard to find work 2002. Yeah, no, I actually started, uh, I was out for a while. I just started playing a little, uh, you know, I had to, you know, I, I always had that in me. I always could play a little and make a buck or two, I guess, if I had to grind hard enough, but I, I prefer being on that side of the counter. Uh, I like taking 11 to 10 as opposed to laying 11 to 10, you know, how hard it is to lay 11 to 10. And I had just gotten married and I started by, you know, a newborn and a two-year-old. So it was it was uh it was not the greatest timing in the world my wife certainly wasn't happy with me uh so i i played for probably a year and a half or so and then i got a job offer uh chris andrews who was running the calneva for the longest time he his cousin bought the golden nugget and he was going to run the sports book and they were going to run it uh hot and heavy so he you know he uh asked me if i wanted to be his number two there and i said sure let's do it so I went back to the Golden Nugget about 2004-ish, 5-ish, somewhere in there. Uh, and it was good. Uh, plenty of action. We were aggressive. Uh, and things were starting to go good for us. And then up, boom, he sold the joint. I mean, up and joint. I mean, that was like the smallest holding of a casino in my life. He couldn't have owned it for more than a year, a year and two months. But I guess the the, the guy who owns the Rockets, Tillman for me. Tillman Fertitta made him an offer he couldn't refuse. So they sold the joint. Boom. So me and Chris are both out of work uh, after like, I don't know, a year and two months on the job. So that was uh, that was one we didn't see coming. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was a shocking thing. I remember when that happened. Nobody, uh, everyone was couldn't believe it. They had even a TV show that they were talking about bringing in. Uh, you know, where I, I remember seeing. Oh, they that. did. Yeah, they had a reality show. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because the one host kid was on it. Uh, he was he's sort of the star of it, and they had some pretty good things. Yeah, they were rolling with the with the casino. They were brand new. I think Agassi was like four percent owner, and Tim and Tom owned a bunch of it, and. You know, they had the joint rolling, uh, you know, uh, good entertainment, good food. They were gambling. So it was a good joint. But uh, you listen, I guess if someone makes you the offer, you can't turn down. You just got to take it. And so he took it and Tillman brought in his own management team. And first uh, first day, they threw me and Chris to the street. So that was the third time that it happened to me. Sands, Horseshoe and and uh, Nugget uh, for a uh, management change and. So I didn't do, I went back to doing what I was doing, playing a little more. Uh, so that was about 2006 or so, seven. And I guess my next stop would be 2008. I got a Chris Andrews old joint. The Calneva was looking for someone. Uh, if anyone doesn't know anything about the Calneva, you think it might be a sleepy little sports book in Northern Nevada, but they had insane amount of business, uh, tremendous parlay card action from the Bay area. 
uh, when I took over in 2008, uh, they had a couple, they had one or two joints in Las Vegas. So we got, we got all the square business in Northern Nevada and a bunch of sharp business out of Las Vegas. So absolutely felt, you know, I love the Cal Neva job. The Cal Neva, I think, uh, I think Binion's uh, coincidentally was, wasn't one of the, uh, you know, satellite places was, wasn't that Binion's that really, you could bet the Cal Neva line. At, uh, um, later on, yes. Later At that on, time, okay. no. Uh, okay. it was, there was a place on the strip and a place in Green Valley. So, but yeah, but later on, uh, Binion's would become would become a part of that. So let's talk about you know you said you were, you were betting for a while. What uh, lessons or what kind of uh, things did you learn from being booking for so long that you took to the betting side? Um, you know, did you have an information network? Were you able, did you feel confident in making a good number or how did that, you know, you know, let's talk about that, that, that change from one side of the counter to the other. Yeah. I always preferred college sports. Uh, you know, I think they were softer lines in the pros. And so I probably made most of my bets on college sports, but I, you know, I had two or three guys I talked to and went over lines with. And yeah, I think anyone in this business always has an information network to bounce, bounce things off of, to, you know, get other people that you respect's opinion. And that's what I did. So I, uh, you know, I beat it around for a year or so waiting for the next opening to arrive. And, you know, you got to put food on the table and I always like to play a little, I got a little gamble in me. So that's, that's what I did. You know, and back then, Spanky, I got, I, I was pretty fortunate too. I think it was a little later on. I ended up winning like three Leroy's contests. Uh, Jimmy would put them together. He was with Leroy's then. He was sort of a promotional guy for Leroy's. And one was a 32 man invitational. We each put up 5,000. I won like 160,000 on that. And then another one, another one, I won 32,000. And I just happened to win two or three of those in a row. And, you know, I did some stuff like that and I was always on the radio. So I, my name was still out there and I, I knew at some point that I would get another shot if, if the right thing came along. And sure enough, in 2008, uh, the Cal Neva was at the ab absolute perfect uh, position to walk into. And now Cal Neva, were, were you up in Reno running that or were you? I was, I, I kept the family here and I commuted. I, I, I lived in the hotel there for the first I was there from 2008 to 2012. So four years, the first like year and a half, I lived in the hotel. So I just walked across the street and, and live in my office. And, and, you know, keeping the family. Uh, then you're, I, you're, then you're, I needed you're... to get out of the hotel. I was, it was closing in on me. Yeah, no, my wife was, uh, she was a champ to say the least, you know, raising kids. I mean, they're, they're still young at that point, uh, six and eight. So, you know, getting them to school and feeding them and raising them. Uh, I'd pop back in every now and then, you know, it was only, even though Las Vegas and Reno are 410 miles apart, it's just an hour uh, flight. So I, I was bouncing back quite a bit back and forth. So we made it work. You do what you do to, to get by. And uh, the county of it, it was a great job. It really was. The owner, uh, well, the owner, there was three or four owners. The main owner was Nightingale. But the guy who was running the property, Jeff Seary, was a part owner too. Still is the owner, still runs it to this day. Uh, he treated me great. He was a great boss to work for and met some lifelong friends up there. So my time, my four years in Reno, 2008 to 2012 was fantastic. And I, I could, I could attest because I was betting then and we had a guy in Cal Neva was always a spot that would always give you a fair bet. And, um, and you guys, you know, it, it was, it was always, you know, well-known for taking a good limit and, and, and uh, you know, 
never turning yeah. anyone away. So that was great. So Cal Neva, now the merger happens. Let's talk about that. And, you know, yeah, that the was whole... the, that was the big one. I was on cruise control and then boom, another, another sale. I mean, I, so, and, and this could have went either any, anyway, I mean, you know, you got a whole brand new company. So what happened in 2012 is William Hill came over and they purchased three companies, Vic Salerno's Leroy's Joe Asher's uh, Brandywine and the Cal Neva. So they come over, I think the, th the purchase price was for 50 million and they're going to put the three companies together and away you go. So who knows at this point, I'm wondering, okay, am I going to, you know, another merger? Am I, am I, is going to be, am I going to be out of work or not? I don't know. No one really knew. So what William Hill did was they, they chose Joe at, well, I don't know how it worked out, but they chose Joe Asher to be CEO my boss at the Calneva, Jeff Siri to be uh, CFO and Vic Salerno signed a, like a two-year deal to be a consultant. So that's how they, they sorted the, the top uh, half of the management structure. Well, there's still a sports book director to be decided. I, I assume since they named Joe CEO that he would naturally take uh, his guy, which was Tony DiTomaso, a uh, good guy, smart guy. Uh, I just, you know, naturally soon with Joe's the CEO, they're going to name him, but they made us interview for the job. William Hill interviewed me, Tony, and they were going to interview Bob Davis, who was running for Leroy's. You know, they're going to give us all three a fair shot at getting the job. And Bob didn't want to do it. He didn't, he, he wasn't interested in the job. So me and Tony interviewed for the job and, and they chose me. So I didn't know at that point that that's how they were doing things, but they interviewed, they gave me the job. So I assumed I would be able to pick my staff, but that wasn't the case either. So William Hill interviewed all the supervisors from all three properties and they picked the staff for me. So they gave me four guys from here, four guys from there and three guys from there. So it was the damnedest thing the way they did it, but I guess they were smarter because it, it worked out pretty good for them in the end because uh, an investment they made for 50 million, they ended up selling for 4 billion later on down the, down the road. So, uh, but that's how it started the merger. So we, uh, now I'm out of Reno. I'm, uh, we're headquartered here in Las Vegas. And, you know, it was, it was a little crazy at the beginning because you had three, three guys who were, you know, Jeff Siri and Joe Asher and Vic Salerno who used to being in charge or trying to figure things out. And I, I, I'm, I'm trying to work with Tony and this new, new staff of 12 guys that I only knew a couple of them. So it was a little goofy at the beginning, but uh, eventually we got through it and made it a pretty darn good book. How was, um, how did the upper management get along? You know, Vic, Vic Salerno, oh, such an old school guy, you know, as, as a consultant, was, was he happy with how things turned out or was uh, there any? You know, I don't think so because after his year and a half or two, he left and did his own thing. And in way before then Jeff had left, he, I don't know how long he'd made it a year, maybe. Uh, so they went bye-bye and, and Joe was uh, running the show and, you know, Joe was very, very good at communicating uh, uh, with the people back who, who are our bosses in London. Uh, that's where William Hill was, you know, headquartered. So, uh, you know, he took over and made it his own. And, uh, you know, we had a lot. Of, we started getting a lot of business. We started getting, you know, at that point, it was just only those three companies and all their properties, which was a lot. Uh, but then, you know, mobile. Started, and then we made the deals got all the Caesars properties and we started added properties and state, you know, obviously we went into 20 different States. So it just blew up really fast. So 
it, it, a lot happened fast and a lot happened under his watch. And, uh, man, we had a lot of action in those nine years that I can tell you. Well, you know, so, so let's talk about, you know, the Joe Asher, you know, obviously, uh, Joe, you know, Dave Purdom put out the article on, you know, the, you know, there used to be a, a meeting every Wednesday where, where Joe would scroll through the accounts and say, you know, why are we doing business with this guy? How did, uh, is that, you know, that's just, you know, did that really happen? And how did you take to something like that where, you know, you never really turned anybody away to yeah, having, yeah. To turn, having to turn so many people away now because of uh, Joe Asher's decisions? Yeah, no doubt. It was a huge philosophical difference. Joe had the same uh, philosophical opinion as William Hill. They, they you know, all that, that's how they did it in England is wise guys were either eliminated or, you know, they could bet $20. So he truly believes that's the way to do it. And, and me and, and eventually Adam Pullum who's still there and, and whatever we, we tried to, to, to teach them, or we made our case on hundreds of different occasions that we don't want anyone thrown out uh, this and that. And, you know, we'd be better off going the other way, but they own the purse strings. So they won. So we had our, we had a choice to either leave or, or do it their way. So, uh, they were paying me pretty darn good money. So I did it their way. Uh, but yeah, no, we had that discussion on many, many occasions and, and it, and it wasn't heated. It was philosophical and they just truly believe that's the way to do it. I mean, and it isn't anything spiteful or nothing. They just really believe that's the best way to run the race and sportsbook industry is that is not to even mess with winning players. So, you know, and they all believe that all those books in England believe that. So, you know, uh, I don't want to name names, but you know, that that's just the European philosophy. Uh, Vic Salerno anyway. told, told me when he when he toured the William Hill headquarters in England, um, there were uh, like um, faces of, of short betters, like wanted posters um, <laughs> there. And uh, I think they would give a war a rewards to um, to anybody that anybody that was in one of the, you know, the, the, the walk up shops there. If you spot this guy and you notify us, you notify of that, you know, we'll give you a reward. That's how that, that, that yeah, was. And, I, and then listen, and, and we didn't have a meeting every Wednesday, but we, they did form a, a committee. There was like four or five guys who tried to identify sharp players and every month or so we'd get together and we'd go through them and, you know, and, and it, that's just the way they, they do business and we'll always do business. So, uh, but we got to have our say on it and we tried to convince them to, to do it a different way or meet halfway or, but that, that's just the way it was. And, like I said, uh, you know, I, I stayed because one, we had so much business. It was a lot of fun. And two, they were paying me a lot of money. So oh, of course, it was really, uh, you know, I, I didn't own the joint. So, the, the, you know, I either took the marching orders or I didn't. And I chose to. And uh, I'm glad I did because I ended up making some pretty good money out of the deal. <laughs> no, absolutely. Was there, when you say the philosophical difference, Lena, did you ever, um, you know, given your vast experience and, and how much did you ever uh, you know, put the point up that, you know, or, or try to keep somebody on where you just to get the information or was there just so much square business that it didn't really, you know, how much were the sharps putting a dent into the joint? Um, was it, was it significant enough or were you able to, you know, did you try to show that you could use that to your advantage? I did. I mean, obviously that was my, my biggest selling point, but they, you know, they, they, listen, they had, 80 years of bookmaking over there that they they believe that this is the right way to do it so that's how we were going to do it so yeah i mean 
obviously some guys held on and, and made it through and, you know, they knew they had to throw in a square bet every now and then just to, you know, just to try to make their account look somewhat square, but it was, you know, that's just the, the way it was. And, and uh, it was entertaining to say the least in those meetings. I, I got to tell you. <laughs> can you, can you take us behind the curtain a little bit and, you know, uh, well, they did. Have, I will say this: the the reporting that they gave me was phenomenal. I could see what a player did for that day, that week, that month, that year, lifetime. I could see that the, the, the when he made his bet, what the lines were everywhere. So it was phenomenal information to use for me as a bookmaker. So it was really incredible. The the it's amazing what resources will do for you, Spanky. Is, is it more closing line value report or just winning? What, what was Little, everything? I, I could get everything. They could generate any report I ever requested. So it, it, it was pretty cool. The William Hill. Uh, let me just give you a quote that they put in the program thing. If someone tells you that the reason that they are prohibited from wagering with William Hill is because they're winning, they're not telling you the whole story. Um, well, yeah. Say? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know who made that comment, but I don't, I don't have anything to say on that, but yeah, I, but it's, yeah, that, that I have no, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know who made the comment. But. Yeah, no, I, th this is when Purdom was trying to get kind of a, a, a quote from why people were banned. And William Hill consistently denied that they banned winning players or sharps. They, they, they never, you know, what was that from a marketing standpoint where they didn't want to have that uh, blemish on their records or, or that reputation? Was that? Kind of I would imagine future. that was, I would imagine that was it, but you know, you know, I, they had, they have a, they, they had a great reputation other than that. I mean, that's why I kept saying, let's not throw any players out, put them on for something small. I mean, you know, whatever you determine small, I mean, uh, obviously you can put people on in the NFL pretty damn good baseball, basketball. I mean, if, you know, if they're betting third division soccer, that's one thing, but I mean, <laughs> You know, yeah. let them let them play a little. Uh, I think you're, you know, you're starting to go into other states. I think it'll help your reputation. But they, they, they like I said, they, they, they respectfully listen, and I give them all the credit in the world for and doing that. But they had their, you know, their plan, their their mission statement, and how they do business, and they they truly believe that's the way to go, and and that's how they wanted to do it. So I, you know, I I, I give them full credit for that. They they stuck with their guns for sure. Okay, so let's talk about now William Hill. You know the 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 they kind of there's there's a buyout with the whole Caesars thing. Let's talk about how you kind of like exited William Hill and 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 how that was like towards the end. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I really, I still don't really know. It does. It still doesn't make any sense to me. So it was. You know, I it just one day they came in and said, listen, we're going in a different direction. That's it. That's all that was said in the story. I, those were the only words they gave me. We're going in a different direction. So it was I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I, the numbers for the nine years, we set record wins in the state every single year. I mean, at the end, it was I mean, we were doing I think the final year there we were going to do half the state's business. That's how much business we had. Wow. Uh, and the the win was stupid. Obviously, there's no, there's no wise guy play. It's all square play. You can only imagine what we won. I mean, it was stupid. I mean, we, we set record after record after record, and it was by twenties and thirties of millions. The the numbers were just stupid. So, I don't know. 
I, I, I have no idea. I still don't to this day. It, it just, you know, it's really, really, uh, it was, a, it was a blow. I got to tell you, it was a blow. Uh, I'm over it now, but it, 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 it took a while, uh, cause I, I was shocked. Uh, but it, you know, it happened and I don't know, they say things happen for a reason. I, I would like to know the reason, but, uh, it is what it is. That's what, that's what I was told. We're going in a different direction. It's, it's, it's ironic because the different direction would happen, you know, from we saw from my, my vantage point is they started taking on and, and they were a little bit more uh, open and taking sharp action when Caesars and, and the whole thing. And that's the direction you've been wanted to go all along. It's, so it, it, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a brutal irony, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, I, I just don't, under, we're going in a different direction and you're the perfect guy for it would have been, would have been uh, uh, more appropriate. So I, I just couldn't, I, I don't, I don't understand it either. Um, well, you know, I, you know, you, 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 you set all the records and, and obviously nobody could deny the success of the joint. Um, so, you know, that you leave there, you know, last year, I guess, 2021 or. Yeah, it was September of 2021. I, I had a, a, a big number coming. So they, they said, I got a, a sign. I got a non-compete for six months. So I had to sit out for six months. They would pay me and give me the money I'd come in. And so I had to uh, sit on the sideline for, for six months, which made me eligible to go anywhere uh, like April 1st of 2022. So I sat out for six months. Uh, you know, I didn't really, I was still, I was still, uh, you know, confused and dazed by what had happened. But mentally, I wasn't in a good place. And you know, a normal person would enjoy six months paid off, uh, but I, I'm not a normal person. So I was not the probably the most pleasant guy to be around in those six months. So I apologize to my wife for that. But I, uh, you know, eventually came out of it and figured, hey, life goes on. I don't don't know why that happened, but uh, it is what it is. So we moved on and, that, and, that, and that's where I'm at. How was your relationship with Joe Asher towards the end or during great. the whole time? I have, a, I, I have a great relationship with Joe. I, I, I thoroughly like Joe. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Joe fan. So, you know, other than the philosophical difference on, uh, on, 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 on booking wise guys or not booking wise guys, we get along great. Uh, so no, I, 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 I'm a big Joe fan. So. Did, did he leave before that? The, the, the yeah, he, he had he had left before me. So they had, which I was utterly shocked too that they didn't want to keep him around. They said, no, we can do this without you. So he, uh, they gave him a, you know, whatever. And he left and, you know, and, and, and you know, we knew there was going to be uh, some people who were leaving because they didn't need, Caesars had 20 lawyers. They weren't going to need our lawyer and they had our business. And, but the one thing that everyone said was, Nick, you're the only one who's safe here. And, and boy, were they wrong. So, uh, but yeah, we, you know, a few, the lawyer, we lost uh, a few, about three or four people at the executive level had left before me. And then that's, and then, and I had left like three, three months in or something. They, they gave me the message. Um, six months, non-compete. Um, it's, 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 you know, you've been working nonstop for so long, you know, you had a good financial payday, but you said, you said you were still unpleasant to be around. Why is that, Nick? You know, you, just, you, you, it, because it just, it, what happened was it, I, that was my life. You know, I, yeah. I went in and out. I, I live like five minutes from the, from the, the, the office. I was there every single day for nine straight years. And, 
we had it humming and it, you know we were one of the four five biggest books in the world and it was and it was only going to get bigger so you know it was a kick in the nuts i gotta tell you I, it was it, you know it stung and uh it, you know it took me a while to get over it and uh like i said i'm over it now and life's fine i've moved on but i just i i couldn't understand it, it that's that's if i if I could have just understood it, I would have, you know, you just don't get rid of good employees, especially ones that are rare. There are no, it's not like an abundance of good bookmakers running around, you know, they're, 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 not, falling, yeah. they're not falling off the trees. With, with, 30, with 37 years experience also. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so. it, it, you're right. It doesn't make yeah. sense. And I can, I, I now I'm, I'm kind of seeing where you're coming from. Um, but you did the, the, the silver lining is you did have a good payday and, and exactly you were able, so, so, so that's good. All right. Let's talk about, you know, when the circuit comes knocking, how was, uh, how was, how did that go and how did that kind of start off? Yeah, that was like sort of out of the blue. I didn't, you know, I didn't know any of the circuit guys. I think I'd met Derek once, uh, but I knew they were, you know, making a dent in, in, in the state of Nevada. I mean, they were a, a major player, uh, and they were doing the way I, the things I did back in Binion's in the, Eight, late 80s and early 90s you know they were going to say hey i'm going to do this uh we're going to take good limits all comers come on down and we're going to grow our business that way and and they are they're really they made great strides so hats off to uh mike palm and derek and matt and his team they've done it they've done a phenomenal job building it to this point and i think it's uh they're only picking up steam and they're in colorado and iowa and Hopefully they can get into a few more states. It's not easy getting into other states because the big four or five got such a huge advantage with the pocketbooks. It's tough to get, you know, tough to get into other states, but uh, circus definitely headed in the right direction. At Binion, you started off with 90% sharps, then slowly but surely, like you did, you built the business out to, to, to attract all the, you know, a lot of the recreational business. Circus. Yeah, word, word of mouth is great. I mean, you get one one big better in there who, who bets good. You know, you, you know, people bet a lot of money usually aren't hanging around brokes. They know other people with the good money, and eventually, word of mouth. You do the. Me and Jimmy Vaccaro have talked about this forever. Philosophically, if you do the right thing every single day, eventually you're going to have a really good product. So, people just want to be told what they can bet how much they can bet and at what time they can bet it and the rest will take care of itself. I mean, you'll grow your business. Just, you know, people just don't like to be jerked around. So, uh, you know, if they know the line's coming up at 10 and they can get 2000, that's all they need to know the rest, you know, and, and away you go. So if you treat people and run the right way and run your business the right way in the end, you'll, you, you'll get, you'll get the job done. It's, it's funny, you know, limit sheets, which is not, it's not a common thing in, in, in sports books, which it should be right. You know, and, and, and Circa does that. I think that's such an important thing. Like you said, I want to know what my, what I'm getting at what time and that's it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the word spreads, I think another thing, and tell me if you disagree, Nick, is, is that even though, you know, you take on sharps, the, 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 the regular customers, see that you know one day they aspire to be a sharp or they aspire they'll know listen if i make a big score if i wind up doing my homework if i get good at this um i'm not going to get the boot do you think that that there's something there that 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 is 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 marketable that's is there something there that could could, could bring in um um you know better business in the door yeah i i mean 
I, I think you have to say it. I mean, be either, you know, radio, social media or you know, word of mouth. I mean, but that's, it's a big, it's a big difference when you're trying to separate yourself from the big power four or five. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, that's, that's one of their big pluses to, you know, to say the least. So whether you market it is another story, that's for the, the powers to be there higher up, but it's, you know, it's definitely, a pretty good thing to have, you know, on the, on the positive side of the ledger to say, hey, listen, if you can win X amount here, your limits are not changing. They may only go up. Yeah. The big four or five and the big four or five can't say that exact line that you Correct. just said. So to just to kind of uh, differentiate yourself. So what is your current role at Circa and, and how is your day-to-day like, and how have you liked it so far? Yeah, it's been fine. Uh, let's face it. I am not, I, I pretty much ran every joint I've been in for the last 30 years. So I knew going in here, it was going to be different. So, you know, I, you know, there's an adjustment period. So let me tell you how this goes. I, I don't know, out of the blue, uh, Matt had said to Richie Bachelary, who's one of my best friends, he said, you know, would Nick be interested in coming to work at Cirque? And he said, I don't know, I'll set up a lunch. So I met Matt and we talked and, and I, like I said, I might've met Matt once, but I really didn't know him. And I, I, I heard him out and he, and he's basically saying, you know, do you want to come to work here? And, you know, and I, he already had two really strong guys. I mean, he's got like between him and Chris Bennett and Jeff Davis, he got like three number ones. So the kitchen's pretty crowded. Uh, so to carve out a role would be difficult in itself because, you know, you don't, you know, you want to tread lightly. I mean, you know, you don't want to go in there and like, say I'm Nick Bogdanovich, I'm running this joint because that wasn't going to be the case. And I, I wanted to have a very, very uh, friendly and positive work environment. So I, I said, I'm interested, but I want to meet the other two. So the three of us got together and, you know, I, I tried to read their personalities, whether this thing could work or not. And I, I, I think it could. So I said, yeah, Matt, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. It wasn't about money. It was about, I wanted to get back in the game. I wanted to be around action. I think Circa is the number one sports book in the state of Nevada. I don't, I don't think that's up for debate when you take all the factors in concern. So I wanted to be with a, with a good outfit and, you know, it's whether I could, you know, find something that, that could really get my blood flowing again. So I, I, I took the job uh, and it, it's been good. I mean, being in the action every day, the first two months, a little rough because it was really slow. And I was just learning how they did things and learning computer systems and this and that. But now that football started, there's action every day. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty fun. So, so far I've, I've only been there a couple months, what started June 1st, so three months. Uh, it's all good. And I'm excited to see what the future brings. Does, do, do you get excited when you find that maybe because given your experience, Nick, there must be so many times when there's teachable moments or there's a time in which you see something that maybe the other staff hasn't seen. Do you get excited when those happens? Do you guys vocalize that stuff? Like, is there a lot of talking in there trying to share ideas and, and share your experience? There is. But like I said, that that came with the dynamic of three number ones also being in the room. So they sort of have the way they th- do things at Circa. And I would say I do think some, something slightly different. And, I, and, and that's not to say that my way is better or their way is better, just different. So, you know, let's just put it this way. It just depends on what the situation arises, whether I, I put my two cents in or not. Sometimes I bite my lip. Sometimes I don't. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that, that we'll figure out as, as, as we go on, but listen, they, they got a really good staff down there. Matt has got, like I said, he's got two really good uh, number ones in Davis and Bennett, uh, but he's got a bunch of really, really young kids that someday they're learning in the right place. If they get their right opportunity, there's a bunch of kids down there that should be running their own books somewhere down the line and they're learning in the right environment. You know, they're getting that ingrained DNA of, you know, how to book. They're not turning any business away. So they're booking a lot of sharp people. So they're picking, you know, they're learning the business the right way. And, uh, you know, he's got a great staff. I, re I really, really enjoy it. He got a really good uh, room full of people that I really like to work with. Awesome. I've had both Chris and Jeff on a podcast, both incredible guys and, and really very smart, really nice. You didn't get and, Matt uh, on. Uh, I had, I had Matt on. Yeah. Okay. I had Matt on okay. early. Yeah, yeah. I had Matt on early too. Um, yeah. Um, all, all great guys. And, um, and I'll, honestly, like, you know, again, I, I've gotten to know Matt for a while. You know, you mentioned biting your lip. You know, I, I honestly, you know, if, if it was me, and again, I'm not going to speak for anything, but Nick, like if I've, if I have you, it's not like, you know, given your two cents, it's not like, we're, you know, we're not, at, we're not we're probably not going to change it completely, but getting any type of knowledge you could give, there's no substitution for experience and you bring 37 years of it. So, you know, I would, like, if it was me, and then again, I'm pretty sure Matt would probably agree, say anything that's on your mind and we'll take note of it. And we might, because there, there, there's no right or wrong way to do things. Usually the best way to do it is type of a hybrid type thing. 100%. Again, I, 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 and I think that if we could just get a little sprinkle of what your ideas are, combine it with our own. Um, this for me is like, that's how you just keep elevating, elevating better. It's not, it's either this way or that way. I think just getting a little mix and getting the recipe just right. And that's the beauty of it. That's, I think, again, I'm just speaking from how I would do it for me. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, my guy, Luke, who I, I've, you know, he runs my betting office. I, he came in and, you know, I showed him my way how to do things. And then he started putting in his own ways and I'm realizing, man, his ways are better than mine. And I have 20 something years of doing this thing. So, you know, I think that, uh, there's always a way to get better and, and, um, I think just brilliant minds talking about it. And I could only imagine how, you know, the conversations you guys must be having to try to, you know, like you said, not just best bookmaker in Nevada, but, you know, when it comes to just most knowledge and most talent in any one room, um, I wouldn't, I, I know I'd put you guys up against anybody. So. Yeah, no, Spanky, you're right. Uh, listen, I, I learned, I definitely don't think I know it all. And I learned something new every day. Uh, that's one thing that, well, I, I'm looking to learn at all times because I know I don't have all the answers, but you're right about the hybrid thing because like in, like if you get like two or three sharp guys together and one guy makes it 10 and the other guy makes it six, it's always usually eight. It's all the answer is yeah. always usually if yeah. you got a bunch of sharp people together and they're on opposite sides. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle. So yeah. you're, you're a hundred percent about the hybrid part. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, 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 the whole, you know, you joining the team, it's, it's already a dream team and you being on it is just, it's just unbelievable. Like you guys are, are I'm, I'm so proud of, of, you know, of watching you guys from a, seeing how you guys are doing your thing. So it's, it's so cool that, that you've landed in a place that, uh, that can, you know, it, it's to go kind of back full circle where it's 90, you know, I don't know what the percentage of sharp is, uh, but you know, it's, it's pretty, I, I would guess uh, you're swimming in a pool of sharks in there. 
Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. It's uh, night and day from the previous place. The previous yeah. place was 99-1. <laughs> and uh, this one, yeah, I'd, I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd love to know the exact breakdown. Uh, you know, I, I would, they got a little more square, square business than what you think, because like I said, they have went out and they've earned a reputation and, and they take a bet and, you know, there's plenty of squares out there who like to bet. So they've stumbled onto there. So they got, they're, they're, they're slowly building up and they got some, you know, they got a really good business. Matt's done a hell of a job. That's all there is. Bottom line. That's all you can say from, from where they started day one to where they're, where they are now. Uh, he, he definitely gets an A plus. Nick, uh, what a great, uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on before we leave. Uh, we call this be better betters. If there's any one bit of advice that you could give an aspiring better, given your vast experience, somebody that maybe wants to be sharper, a sharp that wants to take it to the next level or get better, um, you know, any bit of advice, even a bookmaker, maybe that wants to come up in the business, any advice you would give somebody that uh, to try to, you know, elevate their game and, and, and get better at what they're doing. Uh, well, the obvious one, uh, if you're just getting started out there, make sure, and a lot of it depends on finances, but have as many outs as humanly possible. You got to, when you strike that bet, you, you have to take the best available price or the best available number at the time. You, you know, what happens after that is out of your control, but have as many outs as possible. And for payouts to some parlays may pay more to bet at one place. That That's just, that that's just a given. So, always have multiple apps. But as far as betting advice, I would say specialize. Uh, try to find a sport that uh, is low, low, you know, very low liquid, like NASCAR, uh, props, uh, quarter betting, something where bookmakers don't, there's not a lot of money in the pot. Bookmakers don't have a lot of time to spend on it. And the numbers are going to be soft, specialized. And that'll give you your best chance of uh, churning a profit. And, and the one thing that probably in play, I mean, uh, I haven't had a chance to, to look at in play much. Uh, at William Hill, we had a staff of like 17 who did in play. Uh, that's how big it, in play has gotten. There's wow. no one that tells me that in play can't be beaten. There's just too many scenarios, too many moving parts that the algorithm can have all this stuff covered. So I would definitely, if I was a beginning young veteran, 23, 24, fresh out of school and a little bit of a bankroll, I'd study the hell out of in play because I know that's got to be a very beautiful market. In your 37 years, uh, how many people would you think uh, that you run into that can beat NFL betting on game day, NFL sides? It's tough. I mean, there's, you know, being 11 to 10 on a, on a daily basis, let alone a yearly basis or a career basis is very, very tough. That's why I have the utmost respect for those people on that side of the counter who can do it. It's never, I've never ever had an adversarial position with the, the people on the other side of the counter. I've only had the greatest respect. And, you know, I knew it, it's funny, Spanky, because back in my first from 86 to 2002, that run, I was always behind the counter. I always met the people. I got to know them. And then uh, in, when I went to the county in 2008, I was always in a risk room away from the sports book. And all I saw was bets coming on a screen. And that's how it's been ever since. And that how that's how it is at William Hill. And that's how it is at Circa now. So all I see is a name. I, I don't, I, I don't get to know that person anymore. So, 
I sort of do miss the meeting the, the really sharp guys who can beat it. Now all I see is a name on a computer. Yeah, it's the the interpersonal aspect of, of the whole thing is is is, is gone, and that, that there's something to be said about that. Where you kind of, you know, if you know an injury is going to happen, you say, "Listen, I think this guy is going to be out," uh, and then you give a courtesy bet, and then you, you move the number. You can't even you can't even relay that. Blackie, but when I I, I mean, uh, Spanky back in the day at the Horseshoe, I would, you know, sh uh, there was a guy at the MGM who answered the phones. His name was Shep. He was legendary, but. Meanwhile, I would answer the phone at the Binions because I wanted to talk to Blackie. I wanted to talk to Billy Baxter. I wanted to talk to Buddy Othick. And I would, you know, when they made a play, I would say, is it large, medium, small, injury, weather? I mean, I, I would just, you know, get little tidbits along the way. So I just wasn't getting the Falcons plus three for 30,000. I was maybe, you know, I didn't want to, I wouldn't ask all the time, but I mean, we had a mutual courtesy. They would occasionally offer, yeah, that's a large player or this is nothing. Just, yes, keep me in the loop. It's just, you know, the, the respect you had, there was between the bookmaker and the better. So the way we kind of got around that, Nick, just to give you a little bit of a, what we do is, is you, you know, our bet amount, you know, let's just say the limit's five dimes. And I'm not going to mention names on who we do this with, but, you know, if we bet 49.97, yeah. uh, then that kind of just tells them that, you know, we like that a little bit more than if we just bet 5,000. That's great. And, uh, and that's, that's <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> so I just, you know, just just because it's impossible to get on a phone call and, and even to type it away. So there's everything's just moving fast, but I kind of let my guys know. And if anybody is interested in, in having a relationship with us like that, that, that wants that, we're happy to do it. So, yeah, um, I mean, because you don't know. I mean, if you're getting 10 dimes from account, you don't, you don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. you might be it might be for a friend. It might be a small play. Mm -hmm. You might be getting off of a game. You don't know. And exactly. You can't treat every play the same. And absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the communication aspect and, and, and again, the why is a courtesy that the player gives the bookmaker just because the bookmaker is, is letting the player play. So I'm, you know, I don't, I don't, the why is never a given, but if, so, if a bookmaker, you know, I always like if we could try to give the why that, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm getting an account, I could, I'm welcome. I'm, I'm happy to give the why's when I can. So um, I think that relationship is, is lost today and that sucks, you know, because that's, that's how, you know, you, you came up in the business and, and, and having those relationships, being on the phone with these guys. And I, I, I did a lot of it as well. So it just, it sucks that that's all gone and everything's just automated, but so it goes technology. Nick, thank you so much, man, for coming on. It's such a pleasure. I've, I'm, I, I'm really, I really enjoyed this and, and you're, you're a legend in the business and it really meant a lot to me that you came to Bet Bash and, and, you know, the guys that were, were sitting there and were able to talk to you, they really, uh, you know, they really, a lot of them came up to me and they said they enjoyed their time. And, and you know, I, I know you were, you know, still kind of fresh, uh, uh, you know, being out of, out of the game for a little bit. So it really, it meant the world for me to, for you to agree to do that. Oh, no, that was fun. I uh, got to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while, a lot of old faces. So, uh, no, that was a hell, hell of a gig. I, I, I take it you're going to do that on a yearly basis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be doing it again. We're, we're trying to uh, kind of finalize everything, and hopefully in the next month or two we'll, we'll put out the date. So I'd love for you to, to come to, to show up again and, and, you know, just to be able to rub elbows um, with you and, and maybe have a drink this time uh, around or uh, would be would be great. It would be my honor uh, to be able to do that, to, 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 to hang out. Yeah, no, no, it sounds like a plan. Nick, you're the man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.